0: blaze radio network and now chewing the fat with jeff fisher how long would it take you no you how long would it take you to realize that there was a bird or an owl in your christmas tree if you brought home the christmas tree and the owl was hiding in the christmas tree because you bring it home and you put it up in the living room or the family room or you know wherever you put it up And uh, now there's an owl in your tree. How long would it take you? How long? Well, a Lexington, Kentucky family said that it's their tradition to go as a family to pick out a Christmas tree every year, and it was just another usual year to go get their Christmas tree. So they have three. They also have three dogs. Uh, They use the room nonstop. They watch TV. The kitchen's right here. And they just put up the tree like always. And then they realize four days later that there's an owl in the tree. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, the guy said I was, uh, I was at the home uh, while the family was out. So they brought in a guy to clean the carpet, I guess. And who doesn't do that? You have the Magic Carpet Cleaning Service show up and you leave. So he was there, and uh, he first noticed the bird after plugging in a piece of equipment, and he saw the tree start to sway. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh okay he was just sitting on one of the lower limbs it crawled up into the tree further it took me several minutes to even find it he sent photos to the family and uh it was glad that uh he was there to deal with the animal yeah since you're cleaning my carpet worker why don't you take the owl outside as well, okay? Uh, and so now we're happy that everybody's going to have a family Christmas tree. So the family never even knew that the owl was in the tree. They had a worker there who said, Yeah, hey, you guys know uh, you got an owl in your tree? And uh, they said, No, could you take care of that too, please? I know you're busy cleaning the carpets and cleaning the floors for the holidays, but go ahead and dig that owl out of the tree and set it free, would you? <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome so good news the owl was free and happy and living outside wondering hey what happened to my home uh where i was nice and warm and cozy yeah that's gone you're outside pal okay gotta, gotta find someplace else to live and uh the other news is it took four days four days and it wasn't even the family that noticed that the owl was in the tree incredible welcome welcome to chewing the fat Okay, now uh, I want you inside uh, The Way, The Mind of Chewing the Fats, Jeff Fisher. So I'm reading the story about the owl, and then I see a link about uh, the Berlin Zoo who's sending their first giant pandas born in Germany back to China. Now, apparently, they had a deal with China. You know, the world has a deal. China's not giving you anything. China says, yeah, you can borrow it, uh, but uh, we're going to take it back. And now China has a deal. Yeah, you can go ahead and, uh, if you want the pandas, we're going to charge you for them. Okay? So, now this, apparently, they had a deal with uh, China, that, uh, the Berlin Zoo, that they would send the panda bears back to China a couple years ago. And uh, you know, then we had the pandemic, and they couldn't. Apparently, all travel was cut loose during the pandemic. There's no way we could send a bear or bears, plural, back to China during the pandemic. So they waited. And it's the uh, first giant pandas born in Germany, sending back to China. They're four years old now, and uh, the the pandas Pitt and Polly, also known by their Chinese name Mengzheng and uh, Mengman, uh they. Uh, They are now in China They arrived at the Chengdu Panda Base And they'll be there uh, in quarantine for a week or so And then we'll set them free, I guess Or we'll put new chips in them and send them back to other countries I don't know what they're going to do with them Uh, Really, really weird Uh, But they're back, and they're good, and no problem (laughs) (laughs) now apparently there's like 1800 pandas we've talked about it before when the pandas here in the u.s had to be shipped back to china so there's about 1800 pandas living in the wild in china and a few hundred in captivity worldwide and now then i so i'm reading about the pandas and then i start reading about presidential animals a past white house animals now we all know about the president that we have in office now joe biden who has got his attack dogs that have injured people and he's shipped them off to friends and you know they're being retrained or whatever's going on and they should have been shot a long time ago we've been through that but i was interested that was really kind of uh kind of strange that uh you know president trump had no animals he was uh, somewhat unique okay he was the third in american history to serve without a a pet at the white house really really uh now that biden doesn't have any pets right now i don't think um i think they all got shipped off but he may still have one wandering around but then they have a list of some of the fast and more fascinating pets that presidents have had while at the white house and i didn't know some of these george washington uh, began. I mean, number one, uh, he started with four hounds named Drunkard, Taster, Tippler, and Tipsy. All right. Then came John Adams, who only had three dogs, including one named Satan. Thomas Jefferson switched things up by keeping dozens of sheep, including four-horned ram, uh, including a four-horned ram that apparently killed a boy. <laughs> Uh, I do remember seeing some stories about that, and so they didn't get—they didn't even put the ram down, which I would not be opposed to. Uh, they just shipped him off to Monticello, and that—and when it was at Monticello, it killed several other rams. So Thomas probably liked this ram; he was a mean old bastard, and he was just killing everything in sight. I think we would have, would have been time to put that ram down, but he didn't. Uh, okay, so then uh, goes down a little list of other presidential pets: uh, Calvin Coolidge. Uh, I do remember the story when we did the Calvin Coolidge, uh, the greatest president of all time, uh, adopted a raccoon named Rebecca after he left office uh, a possum moved into Rebecca's treehouse and it was subsequently adopted by Herbert Hoover. Hoover just said sort of leave it there and then he didn't really necessarily adopt it. He was like just leave the damn thing there. Uh, Andrew Johnson uh, didn't bring pets with him but he apparently made friends with some mice found living in the executive mansion okay and we heard stories that there was some uh some mouse rat problems at the white house in not too long ago uh, i feel like it was during the obama administration so they're still there uh we need to uh, that needs to be eradicated a uh, very good and just don't say anything because then you're gonna have Peta, you know whining don't kill the rats they're at the white house they need to go have a nice day uh what are you doing at the White House? Not that we're just tenting it. <laughs> uh nobody nobody'll notice. Just tent the White House for the weekend. No one will notice. Then Martin Van Buren wanted to keep a pair of tiger cubs given to him by the Sultan of Oman. And the Congress was like, um no, you're not gonna keep tiger cubs around the White House. Sorry about it. So Congress, uh, they, no, you're not. This is not happening. And uh, so they donated it to the zoo. They gave it to the Washington. They gave them to the Washington Zoo. Then Andrew Jackson had a parrot named Pole, and apparently the parent, uh, the parrot, you know, had a penchant for profanity. Yeah, hello, and up uh, at jackson's funeral it uh, cursed so much that they removed the parrot from andrew jackson's funeral i mean andrew probably would have been pissed that uh, they removed the parrot because he was it was his parrot. he's the one that taught it to use all these profane words at his funeral go ahead let him fly <laughs> just a, a little quick jaunt in history of white house presidential animals dead or alive so be sure to follow me on my social media accounts uh, on X at JeffyJFR. Facebook and Instagram is Jeff Fisher Radio. You can follow me on YouTube, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. You can order a cameo from me. That's not free. Uh, cameo at JeffyJFR. Just order and tell them, you know, what you want me to do. I'll be your trained monkey on cameo at JeffyJFR on Cameo. And you can also email the show anytime. (laughs) That's the way the internet works. Uh, Chewingthefatattheblaze.com Chewingthefatattheblaze.com Another example of the world coming after Elon Musk. I see where the EU opened a formal investigation into whether X is breaking European laws on disinformation and hate speech. It's the first probe under uh, the new Digital Services Act and potential penalties include a fine equal to 6% of the company's global income. I mean, I'll just leave it at that because it's agonizing. I mean, the world, the world can't stand the fact that uh, X slash Elon Musk is presenting a platform where you can Pretty much say what you want. Know what I mean? All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cold to drink desperately. (laughs) So I see where Apple is saying that their Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 will no longer be available to purchase from Apple uh, later this week. Apparently, the watches have a, a blood oxygen sensor. And when your blood oxygen level gets too low, the watch uh, just uh, sends a shock into your body. <laughs> not true. It's not true at all. Uh, just, just kidding. It's just a joke. But if it were true, huh? It'd be something. But it's not. It's not true at all. The uh, move comes as uh, there's a long-running patent dispute between Apple and this medical technology company, Massimo, uh, Massimo, M-A-S-I-M-O. And uh, it's around the blood oxygen sensor technology. So you're not gonna be able to order it from Apple. I guess you can get it from other places. And uh, the ones that you have already by December 21st, you will still get uh, the warranty and all that kind of stuff and get it fixed. And it's a strange kind of thing that the uh, ITC, and who doesn't love the ITC? Yeah, the International Trade Commission? Yeah. Yeah, love them. Apple says that the uh, ITC's ban only impact sales of the Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 because those devices offer blood oxygen monitoring capabilities. Now, some of the watches that they made early on, the earlier watches have some blood oxygen uh level monitoring capabilities as well i guess that's fine it's just the newer models that uh is impacted so if you want a newer model that can check your blood oxygen level and you want that series 9 or the ultra 2 get it now uh while supplies last because they're not going to be available much longer Oh, and uh, we finished up uh, Lawman Bass Reeves, uh, the first season, season one. Uh, It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Taylor Sheridan, another great show from him, Lawman Bass Reeves. Really enjoyed it. I have not seen where there's going to be a season two, if it's going to change up, what they're going to do with it, if it's already been uh, re-upped. But there should be. There should be at least a couple more seasons. I know Taylor's got a few other things going on, but if he needs some help, he can always uh, you know he can always reach out to me. Uh, just, uh, you know, DM me on any of the social media accounts or email the show, com. I'll get right back to you, Taylor, because I've got some ideas for season two. And then maybe you just wrap it up with season three and you're done with it. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You do Lawman Bass Ways, seasons one, two, and three, and then you're done. Season two could be about, uh, this is my idea, Taylor. I wish I probably shouldn't give it to you for free on the, on the air because... I mean, you should call me, but I was thinking that, uh, season, uh, season two could be wrapped around the death of the judge and wrapped around, uh, him, uh, going after his, uh, son, uh, for a crime. And, uh, you know, obviously there'd be other, uh, minor, criminal activity that he could go after in that season but the main one would be the death of the judge and having to deal with uh, a new leader as a texas ranger and then going after his son and the uh and then that would you know Culminate with the, uh, you know, the arrest of his own son. Then season three could be where the end of his life, where he is uh, no longer a Texas Ranger. He goes and works as a, I forget what it is now. He worked as a sheriff or the police chief of this town until he got sick. So you would deal with his kind of semi-retirement uh, with he and his wife maybe the death of his wife I'm not sure if she lived longer than he did but obviously it's easy enough to find out and uh, you wrap around uh, the, the final season, season 3 with the death of his wife him kind of semi-retiring and then him getting sick and uh, stop being a lawman and his struggle with you know con- continuing to uh, be a lawman yet not be a lawman and then you can end the series with with him passing away there you go Taylor, I gave it to you for free You're welcome. So there's a new Hollywood record. I mean, I should say Hollywood record, but it's a new fashion record as the most expensive dress, okay? It's a black, ballerina-length, velvet evening dress. It was sold at Julian's Auctions in Hollywood for a total of $1,148,080. It has broken the new fashion record. And uh, it was worn by Princess Diana. Yes! The gown, which came with a matching illustration, was estimated to sell for $100,000. And yet, it's so <laughs> for, what, 11 times that? Incredible. It features shoulder pads, a blue organza skirt, a large bow, and a sash. I mean, we've all seen, seen the pictures of Princess Diana in this... Uh, this particular dress Uh, she first wore the dress in Florence Italy in 1985 at a dinner while on a royal tour with her then husband Charles Prince of Wales and again to the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra I guess she dusted it off the following year for the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra... Charles was probably pissed. You're wearing the same thing? <laughs> uh, so it was constructed with uh, fabric chosen by world-renowned textile merchant. And, I mean, I don't have to tell you that uh, Jacob Schleffer is the world-renowned textile merchant. And featured uh, metallic embroidered stars carefully threaded by design team at Jacques Azaguri. So it was... Considered a nod to her patronage of the English National Ballet and her love of dance. (laughs) (laughs) Over a million bucks for this dress. Amazing. People are spending a lot of money on stuff that doesn't seem to me to be worth a lot of money. Are you going to get your money back on that? Maybe, I guess. I, I don't know. But congratulations to whoever purchased it. I mean, it was the other Princess Diana dress that uh, held the record before, right? Uh, the Velvet Gown by Victor Eidelstein. Uh, that sold for like 600000 back in January. That's the dress she wore in 91. So, have a nice day. Uh, that dress, I spit on that 1991 Velvet Gown. <laughs> uh, there's a new record in town, and it's not that one. Now, they sold some other stuff at this uh, Hollywood Legends auction that included a blouse another blouse worn by Diana uh, in 1981 for her engagement portrait uh, that one sold for 381,000 wow and the Hollywood Stars clothes also up for auction included a, da Vinci, a Givenchy... Vinci. A Givenchy dress worn by Audrey Hepburn in 1963 comedy Charade, a sleeveless gown worn by Gloria Swanson in the 1950 noir film Sunset Boulevard, and Barbara Streisand's sailor dress from the 1960 special called My Name Is Barbara. No word on what kind of money was spent on the Barbara Streisand sailor dress. I bet you she's pissed. She got like ten bucks. (laughs) Princess Diana is getting over a million. Streisand. Oh, I'm sure she got. I'm sure you know, hundred thousand or two hundred thousand or whatever. But it's not over a million. Who died today? Who died today? James McCaffrey. James McCaffrey uh, has passed away at the age of 65. No, 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 no. No, it wasn't that. He died of uh, myeloma cancer at the age of 65. You may remember James as the voice actor of the video game character Max Payne, and he was uh, part of the FX drama Rescue Me. He's also, I was looking at his... Uh, His previous work, I mean, he was in all kinds of uh, TV shows. Uh, He's been working for a long time. He's been in a lot of shows. And when you see him, you go, oh, yeah, that guy. Uh, He studied at the actor's studio. And he was was really uh, a working Hollywood actor. And uh, I know actor Kevin Dillon posted a tribute saying, uh, we were lucky to have known you. Uh, my best friend, you will be missed. He's survived by his wife, Rochelle, and a uh, daughter, Tiernan. Uh, rest in peace. James McCaffrey uh, dead at the age of 65. Then we have Eric Montrose. Eric Montrose, former North Carolina and NBA big man, Eric Montrose, uh, passed away at the age of 52. Now, No, no, no. Uh, He began treatment for cancer in March and uh, passed away surrounded by loved ones this past weekend at his home in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. The family announced uh, the illness when he was diagnosed but didn't specify the nature of the cancer. So Eric Montrose, uh, dead at the age of 52. Don't look at me like that. If it was that, they would have said it. Sure, some of you may think that uh, that caused the cancer, but it doesn't say that. Sure, you might think that about James McCaffrey, too, but it doesn't say that, so it can't be that, can it? Yeah, that's what I thought. Then we have the, uh, well, the death of a uh, 35-year-old, Christina Revels Glick. She was a realtor, and the only thing that makes this story mildly interesting because she committed suicide very very sad. And no, it wasn't that or they would have they would have said that. <laughs> but the only thing that we know this lady from is that she was initially uh, apprehend, apprehended I remember you know at least reading about this I don't know that we ever talked about it but she was apprehended for inappropriate behavior on a beach Because it was discovered a few, like nine months ago, uh, that she was uh, taking care of a little personal business uh, with the adult toy on the beach, which led to her arrest. And she said to the police, yeah, I don't think anybody was there. Uh, Sorry, I was on the beach and, uh, you know, I had my adult toy with me. Who doesn't take that with you to the beach? And I thought, hey, I'm all alone. I need to pleasure myself. And so she was arrested for that. I know, sad. Well, now, nine months later, uh, she has uh, killed herself. Very sad at the age of 35. And that's why we're hearing about her suicide. So many suicides we don't hear about. I mean, we... You see, you know, in reports that so many people have committed suicide, but you don't get a specific name and what happened to them. And uh, it's very sad. So then I, you know, of course, we have to tell you that if you or someone you love has a problem, you can dial 988, the suicide crisis lifeline, which is, uh, you know, saving lives. Oh, well i see a story now that missouri the great state of missouri is uh, leading the nation in 988 crisis hotline response times since its launch uh, about a year and a half ago now i would think you know how long does it take someone to pick up the phone really i mean <laughs> if i'm dialing 988 do how long does it take well according to this um The 988 Crisis Lifeline received more than 5,000 phone calls in October. Wow. Uh, And 94% of those were answered locally. This is from a Missouri uh, report. With an average wait time of around 14 seconds. So if you call 988, I would guess that you're going to get, someone's going to pick up the phone within 20 seconds if missouri is uh leading with 14 seconds is that fast enough if you are dealing with uh, a mental issue if uh, the phone rings longer than what 10 seconds are you hanging up i don't know i don't know but good for missouri for leading uh leading the wait time for around 14 seconds well then it got me thinking about hey well 988 what's you know the crisis, the suicide crisis uh, lifeline. Uh, do a lot of people know that? Well, there's over 200 local crisis centers around the U.S., and there's a map in this story that shows where they're all at, and uh, talks about if you call, uh, you know, your uh, your call gets directed to the proper. Lifeline, They call it the nearest crisis center. So I'm guessing it goes to whatever area code you have on your phone. My area code on my phone is not where I live. So uh, I'm going to get picked up by someone uh, quite a ways away from where I live. But uh, there are plenty of uh, suicide uh, or lifeline and crisis helplines that will talk to you. And there really is only one that you need to concern yourself with. If you or someone you love are having an issue, dial 988. So rest in peace to Christina Revels Glick from Georgia, age 35, who sadly felt that she couldn't go on with her life any longer. Very sad. A couple of big deals fell through uh, yesterday or the last couple days. I see where Adobe scrapped a $20 billion deal to buy design software maker Figma citing regulatory challenges in Europe and the UK. Adobe is supposed to pay $1 billion termination fee to Figma, So I don't know. If, <laughs> Figma, you're not getting bought out, but you're getting at a billion. Because uh, Adobe said, yeah, no, we're not going to deal with all these regulatory challenges. And then we get news that U.S. Steel agreed to be purchased by Nippon Steel yesterday in an all-cash $14.9 billion deal, marking a significant move for the Japanese steel giant in the U.S., so u.s steel uh still i guess is going to be u.s steel but uh not really because it's going to be owned by the japanese uh steel giant uh nippon so the acquisition is set at 55 dollars a share yeah because they turned down i was reading uh i was reading some other stories about u.s steel and uh they Rejected, U.S. Steel rejected a bid earlier this year by Cleveland Cliffs that would have purchased the company for $35 a share. Nope, not good enough. We don't care where you're from. Uh, we're going to take the $50 to $5 a share. So this makes uh, Nippon, if it goes through, obviously, uh, there's going to be some... Uh, speaking of regulatory challenges, there's going to be some regulatory challenges with this. So if it goes through, which... I mean, I hope that it doesn't for some reason uh, because I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I do because it's capitalism. And, you know, let's go on. Who cares if the steel is coming from Nippon or, you know, U.S. steel. It's st- but I do, Jeff. It's not America. Okay. All right. Fine. Uh, the acquisition would position Nippon as the world's third largest steelmaker after a China Baowu Group and the Luxembourg-based Arcelor Mattel. You, <laughs> ArcelorMittal, A R C E L O R M I T T A L, out of Luxembourg. Uh, they would be uh, that's number two in the uh, steel industry. So we'll see. Uh, you know, there's going to be a shareholder. Uh, approval, regulatory approval. The steel workers unions are pissed. They are demanding a new labor agreement before the sale is final. We have Diggleberry Senator from Pennsylvania, Fetterman, out saying that he's all against it and it should be an American company. Really what he's after is the unions, right? He doesn't really care that, uh, he doesn't really care that U.S. Steel is being bought by a Japanese company. He cares that the union guys aren't getting what they want really. I mean, that's what he cares about. I know he's spitting it that it should be. It's Middle American company. But uh, he cares about the unions and he wants the union guys to, uh, to make a whole bunch of money. Be careful. Be careful what you ask for because they may just say, okay, well, uh, you get all you want. Just like the United uh, Auto Workers Union. Yep, you get all you want but, you know, six months later everything's shut down and you're out of work. So are you really getting all you want? Uh, I think not. I think not. So am I the only one? And usually when I ask this question, am I the only one? I I know. Uh, I know that I am the only one. But I'm asking, am I the only one who sees a story that talks about escort who caters to Wall Street bankers, rakes in about thirty-four thousand a week. Um, am I the only one that thinks, man, I have got to get my wife a new gig? <laughs> am I? I am. I am the only one. Okay. So the, apparently, this uh, Mia Lee, M.I.A. Lee, thirty-five. Ooh, getting a little long on the tooth. Gets her, uh, you know, all kinds of cash uh, from private dancing sessions at one of Manhattan's elite strip clubs, as well as charging for luxurious getaways. So she has all kinds of clients that take her on trips and want her for, you know, a little business. Uh, They want to get away from the family. Uh, She is self-professed psychopath. Uh, she completes, She competes in mixed martial arts and has a love for luxury items such as high-end cars, expensive liquor, imported cigars, and, uh, you know, uh, plastic surgery. I have traveled to over 60 countries, speak four languages, and have a slew of tomboy hobbies like competitive shooting and racing. She claims to make $34,000 a week during December. Uh, It's not always, uh, the holiday season isn't always the most lucrative. Uh, But this past June, she raked in 47,000. In one week, the big spenders require her services more frequently toward the end of the year, resulting in uh, you know bringing in a little extra cash, which made forty-seven thousand in June, thirty-four thousand in December. That's a little on the low end. Uh, it's uh, like a combination of cold weather, holiday parties, and that brings out more clients. A decent number of them don't really like spending time with their families, so they're looking for an escape. <laughs> Uh, she says that she spent a lot of years uh in uh, finance but she doesn't go into specifics she says that's for her clients to know that's what makes her the most interesting escort uh stripper around okay so she's five two divorced uh, apparently she had an open marriage for three years yeah how'd that work out oh it didn't uh the negative uh yeah the she talks about uh, the negativity around the relationship because it was open but it was more open on her and then and, uh, his get it uh so they broke up so uh now she markets her services for a pretty penny yeah no kidding a client who wants her to stay overnight will have to cough up seven thousand dollars while a four-hour rendezvous costs $4,000. The cheapest option is a minimum one-hour session that goes for $1,300. And she does offer a couple dates <laughs> or same-day booking for an additional $500. Nice. Uh, Wall Street jet setters who want to whisk Lee away uh, have to foot the bill for the flight, accommodations, and ground transportation. So domestic trips range from seven dollars to $12,000, and price tag gets higher if they want to take her out of the country. Trips to South America, Europe, cost $20,000 at a minimum, and everywhere else is at least $30,000. So she earns cash as a stripper, which is weird because you could go see her as a stripper. You don't get her services, but you could go see her dance uh she doesn't need to do that anymore although that probably builds her clientele up a little bit she has her own youtube channel of course called money talks and uh she readily admits as we said that she's a psychopath or she has psychopathic tendencies because she has to shut off her empathy Uh, she wants to focus on maximizing her time and money earning hours while enjoying herself, she spends a whole bunch of money to maintain her appearance. Uh really, including uh 10 grand for removal of all her body hair, a hundred dollars every three weeks for eyelash extensions, and three thousand nine hundred dollars for mira dry, which is a sweat eliminating treatment that mitigates the need for constant showering. <laughs> I just will say, if I'm spending seven grand, uh, go ahead and shower. I need, I need that, I need that clean. Okay, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> so I guess I am. I'm the only one that thought, yeah, you know, I need to, uh, I need to find my wife a new gig. Yeah, I'm the only one. Okay, I was maybe talking about the YouTube channel. Maybe, yeah, you know, you never know. So if you, yeah, look, if you're if you're lonely and you don't like your family, and you don't want to be around them for the holidays, you could always hook up with me because it's only a few bucks and uh, it's only money right it's only money and speaking of it's only money so let's say you don't have enough to hook up with uh hook up with the escort but you want to go over to the you know one of your relatives house for dinner and the relative says yeah you can come over but i'm gonna charge you i'm gonna charge you a couple hundred dollars for the christmas dinner and then you can come and celebrate with me are you doing it Probably not, right? But I see where this influencer, this uh, Britain's influencer, Britain influencer, UK influencer, uh, Carla Bellalucci uh, said that she's going to be charging family members to serve them dinner and a single glass of champagne at Christmas. I feel like this is just a ruse, though it's not real, because she has been all over. She's an influencer. She's just trying to get clicks and wants people to watch her. She'd already been dubbed Britain's most hated woman after she admitted uh, that she exaggerated her feelings of depression and flirted in order to get a nose job provided by the publicly funded and overburdened British healthcare system. She also uh, said that she, well, she didn't say, she promoted the fact that she hired male strippers for her 18-year-old daughter's birthday. Uh, okay. I mean, I really don't necessarily have a problem with that. And, uh, she crowdfunded a butt lift procedure. Good for her. If people are giving her money, go, I mean, that's good for her. So she said she's expecting nine relatives in addition to her immediate family of six sitting around the dining table at her home on Christmas day. But the guests will find the season of giving starts at the front door. She's going to charge them all 150 euros for a full turkey dinner, including one glass of champagne she said that it's about 189 bucks american uh it's not cheap feeding people it also takes time to put together a nice meal i'll give them a glass of champagne if they want any more booze they can bring their own she also defended the price by including uh something of a profit for herself saying everything i do is for profit aha aha and she said hey look uh you can watch tv uh, well, I'm gonna let you watch uh, King Charles speak at three, and who doesn't want to see King Charles speak at three? And then they could do whatever they want, but after playing charades, uh, you gotta go home. You're out. It's not an all-day thing, okay? You're... <laughs> so uh, at the Bellucci house, you could get stuffed with all the tribbings for only about 189 American dollars, if if that's true. Now, someone sent me a, uh, a clip on, I think it was on Instagram, about with this lady talking about getting fat and sassy. And I want to say that it's, this is the new way of doing the holidays. But then I looked it up, and it's actually a female, Shirley Nash, uh, from North Carolina, who was interviewed during a snowstorm a few years back and I mean, I am a fan of live local man on the street, woman on the street reports. You know that. I love those reports. And this is where you get people uh, saying things like uh, Shirley Nash did uh, with Fat and Sassy. So it's not about the holidays, but you could just, it could be used for anything. It could be used for anything. So when asked, this happened during, you know, like I said, during a snowstorm in the Carolinas, and she's the woman on the street. The local news report from WCCB News 10 (laughs) is out looking for stories and people to talk to so when they asked Shirley what she was going to be doing during the storm I feel like this is a good rule of thumb for any time you have to be inside with family and friends. What do you plan on doing during the storm, Shirley? Or, you know, uh, in today's world it would be during the holidays, Shirley. What do you plan on doing? We'll probably sit around and cook some soups and eat bread and desserts and just get all fat and sassy. Think about it. <laughs> no, seriously, think about it.